Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 472. Try not to become a man of success, but rather try to become a man of value. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. I'll never worry again about having a dead battery with my NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in my glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that'll jumpstart a dead battery in my car, boat, truck, or RV. The Genius Boost features built-in spark-proof technology and reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart any of my vehicles. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are built from solid copper for maximum conductivity. There's a built-in ultrabite dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS and emergency strobe. I use my Genius Boost Jump Starter to charge my phone, tablet, and laptop while I'm on the road or if the power goes out in my home. The unit itself is easily rechargeable in my vehicle. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, the battery car source since 1914. I've got one in each of my vehicles. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Scott Elkins. Scott, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Yes, I am. All right. Great to have you here. Scott Elkins is the Chief Operating Officer for the nonprofit Motorsports Safety Foundation, otherwise known as MSF. In addition to his role with MSF, Scott is a race director for the prestigious Mazda Road to Indy, which is the development series for IndyCar. Scott is also a steward for IndyCar while simultaneously owning TEG Motorsports Consulting, which is a company providing logistical operational and engineering services to motorsports and automotive companies. Scott's past includes working with IMSA, the Champ Car World Series, NASCAR, the Indy Racing League, the Atlantic Championship Series, and Skip Barber Race Series. He's also a member of the Society of Automotive Engineers. Scott, I've told our listeners just a tiny bit about you. Would you take a brief moment and share a little bit more about your career and, of course, your passion for automobiles? Yeah, thanks, Mark. Um, appreciate being on the show. It's really a great opportunity. You're welcome. My my passion is something that uh, built was built on like most people, you mm-hmm. wanted to be a race car driver and then realized that uh, you couldn't afford it. And so my decision was just to try to make money in racing as opposed to spend money. <laughs> Good idea. And that's how it kind of worked out. It's worked out so far. Well, it's really interesting. You've been involved with racing and the racing world in so many different ways. Now, you said you uh, originally wanted to do some racing or did you actually do some racing back in the day? I did a little. Uh, when I was younger kind of my early teens, I had a very good friend of mine whose father was the owner of the the local Honda motorcycle dealership. So we we ended up doing some motocross racing. And then after I got uh, into college and kind of on my way out of college, uh, I did a little bit of automotive racing, but uh, kind of ran into some financial difficulties like everybody and then decided to become an engineer. Well, that age old saying, how do you create a small fortune, start with a large fortune and go racing? I've heard that from so many people. I've had many, many racers on this show, and that is always the biggest, biggest challenge. I know that was when I was doing vintage racing, that was a challenge for me. 
Well, as we continue on your journey, I always like to start with a success quote. This is some kind of saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your career and your success, and it's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So, Scott, take the wheel. So mine is from a guy uh, that most people know, a fellow by the name of Albert Einstein, and it's actually – it's been validated that it is truly one of his quotes, uh, not like the ones that are all on the internet. But um, <laughs> yes. It basically says, try not to become a man of success, but rather try to become a man of value. Mm. And that's one that uh, has always tried to apply. Uh, you know, I think I, – I, I don't remember who told me. My, maybe it was a grandfather or somebody in my past, but mm -hmm. they always said that your integrity is the one thing you can control. Yes. People can people can say things about you or do things about you, and um, that's the one thing for me. So in terms of integrity and trying to become valuable and not successful, that's something that I've always tried to do in my career. Very nice. You know, that's the first time I've heard that quote here, and I've heard so many quotes now from the past 471 other guests here on Cars Yeah, but I like that one a lot. It's so, so important in life, in business, and uh, everything else. So I like it. Perfect. Would you share with us a story that instigated your passion for cars? Is there a, a pivotal moment when you look back in your life, maybe when you, when you were a young man, when you really knew that you were a car guy? Yeah, I can, I can pinpoint it exactly. It was 1982 at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Um, Ooh, nice. I had, uh, it, it, ironically enough, it wasn't with any, it was, you know, normally people are with their dads or their fathers and, my dad couldn't go that particular weekend, so I went with a friend of his, and I just remember sitting in turn one, um, hearing the cars go by, sitting in the grandstands outside of the track, you know, mm -hmm. and, and hearing the cars go by, and I kept hearing a very distinct click-click, huh. and I, I didn't know what was going on, and I wasn't quite sure, and so the guy that I was with actually wasn't a huge race fan. I think he was maybe just doing my dad a, a favor, but... We were able to ask somebody that was sitting down the row next to us, and I couldn't figure out what it was. was and, and what was happening was that was the row of bricks, and oh, the wow. cars the cars were going over the row of bricks and making that click click sound. But because the cars were going so fast, you weren't actually hearing the sound until the cars got through turn one. And that's something for me at that moment when I was a twelve year old kid was a passion thing. And I was like, it just it just took me over, and I couldn't believe the cars were that fast, and I couldn't believe that that was happening. And man, it it definitely created a direction for me for oh, left you know, for an imprint yeah, yeah. Sure. wow you know i've never heard that before i've i've been to that track a couple times once for uh, an indy 500 event and the first time i ever went to the track was the first year that the formula one cars were running there and i just remember going the day before and walking into the grandstands there in the straightaway and they were testing and these couple formula one cars come by and i thought my ears were going to bleed it was so loud just like oh my god I should yeah. have brought earplugs with me. This is insane. But I've never heard that story about the clicking of the bricks. That is very cool. That's very yeah. cool. I it's like that. It's something you only hear from the outside of the track. And, and yeah. I've been very fortunate that every time I go to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, I'm typically on the inside, so I haven't heard it for a long time. But the because the because the start-finish line is made of bricks, it's a very distinct, very distinct noise that it makes. So Very cool. interesting. That is a great story. But Scott, what I'd love to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and crawl under the hood and ask you to share a huge challenge or even better, a great failure that you've faced along the way in your career. But the most important part of this has to do with how did you overcome that situation? What did it teach you? Well, I think the the one that's um, the biggest challenge that I ever dealt with, I think, in my career was just recently. It was um, in 2000. Uh, 2013 and 14, I guess. Mm -hmm. And that was, um, you know, the sports car world changed a lot 
those that that year because what was the previous American Le Mans series and what was the previous Grand Am series merged together. Mm. And I was fortunate enough to be a part of the ALMS group that joined together and and was kind of uh, integral to it. I was the, I was the head of co- competition for the new company mm-hmm. and had the responsibility of merging two different race series together and it wasn't just uh it wasn't just a technical challenge in terms of the cars and and how many races there were going to be and what the regulations were going to do but it was also a, a task of um of, of merging people of oh. two different organizations so yeah. you know, no no different than a typical corporate acquisition i guess and mm-hmm. that was a a big part of take it literally you know one of the jobs like that i guess take over your life mm-hmm. and because of the the seriousness of what's going on and whether it's people or whether it's uh, all of the different teams and all of that that was a that was a massive challenge and it was one that you know you you mentioned you know talk about a challenge and talk about something that you failed at and and truthfully my my feeling is that it was something that i that i did actually fail at while the while the two series got together and the 2014 season happened mm-hmm. um it was one of those things that was uh you know massively stressful and it's what it's what caused me honestly to leave IMSA and and start doing other things in motorsports, whether it's working with the safety foundation or, or working with young drivers in the road to Indy. It's, it just, um, it was one of those things where something, you know, something takes over your life. (laughs) Yes. And at some point you wake up one morning and you're like, I don't want to live like this anymore. Yeah. And, um, that's kind of what it was. And and believe me, I, I get it, man. This is, I'm talking about a massive first world problem here in terms of you know, being stressed out about working with race cars and all of this because a <laughs> yes. lot of people don't don't have to deal with that. I get it, but yeah. for me, particularly in my career, it was a it was a defining moment. It was a huge challenge, and it was something that I didn't I didn't feel like I actually did a very good job of. And mm-hmm. it's kind of why I, you know, it's a failure because I feel like I I had to step away from it. So it was tough. There has to be so many facets to trying to combine those two groups together. You talked about people, machinery, all those different things. So. Uh, obviously, we could probably talk for hours about that experience, but if there was a takeaway from that experience that if you could go back in time, of course, and go, wow, if I had known this, other than saying maybe I wouldn't have done it, is there a, a good takeaway from how you merge something, two two entities that are really kind of different, very different, into one and make it work? Yeah, I think... I think you know, sitting here a couple of years later, it, it's easy to do that. But I, I think one of the one of the tasks were, were that um, if I could have if I could have changed something, I probably would have maybe put my hand up and, and asked for help earlier. Mm. Um, it's you know, it's one of those things where, of course, there's a level of pride and there's a level of uh, you know everything about it. I guess, there, and even even because it's a sport and because yeah. it's. Um, in the public eye, I'm sure there's even a little bit of ego that's involved at some to some extent. But yeah. it's one of those situations where if you know you probably could have done it in a in a better way if you'd uh, had had some help. But but again, it was a, it was such a unique thing. I mean, nothing nothing like that really ever happened in the past. There's been IndyCar and Champ Car merged together, but that really wasn't a merger. You know, there right. wasn't. Um, it kind of was just a takeover. And so this was actually a true merger. It was actually a true integration. Hmm. Maybe that would have been something that if you could have could have done it over again, you yeah. would have said, "Hey, man, uh, I can't do all this myself," and and would ask for some help. But um, I don't know. It's uh, we're all human, and you you never know how it's going to go. Well, you dropped a, a massive value bomb there for our listeners who might be going through something similar, or maybe it comes up in the future. And that was raise your hand and get some help. And uh, I understand completely. Uh, so many people, you know, we try to take our job seriously and and handle things as much as we can for ourselves and 
so, so important to uh, surround yourself with a, a really, really powerful team of people. And good lesson for those listening out there. I do appreciate you sharing a really personal story and a real challenging story. Well, that's what that question is all about. So uh, you went into that turn one very nicely. Thank you. <laughs> well, your, your, your question worked. So yeah. congratulations. Well, thanks. Let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. Could you share a story with me that was a career aha moment? I like to say it's when the headlights come on and kind of illuminate your way down which path you should proceed with your career. Tell us the steps you took to turn your aha moment into a success. Um, it, you know, it's probably probably the most appropriate way to to talk about it. I guess is actually starting to earn a living in motorsports. It's uh, you know, it's something that I think a lot of people. A lot of people view it as a sport, which it is, and a lot of people view it as a fan, but um, don't think about the ability to actually earn a living. And you know, I'm going on, gosh, I'm going on 20 years of having it as a career. So nice. It's it's pretty unique, but I think it. I think the the idea was was that, uh, and the aha moment for me was literally kind of answering an ad in the newspaper, where you know I saw I saw an ad in the newspaper in Indianapolis for a. Um, actually for a sales engineer, mm-hmm. um, but it had to do with motorsports. And I was, uh, I don't know, I was out of college a couple of years and, um, you know, had, had still loved it and, and loved, loved racing and, you know, had already kind of re- come to the realization, hey, I can't, you know, I'm not going to be a race car driver. This isn't going to work out for me, but still wanted to be involved. And I was, I was working, honestly, I was working in the industrial equipment business. I was, I was literally, literally selling forklifts okay. and saw an ad in the newspaper and was like, all right, this is my time. This is when I'm going to make this happen. It's going to occur. So uh, it was great because the interview process was, was actually a, a presentation that had to be done for the managing director of the company and a couple of the other executives. And, and I just decided that uh, I'm going to work in motorsports. This is how I'm going to do this. And yeah. And I'm going to kill this presentation, and there's no way that they can hire anybody else. And <laughs> there you go. That and and you know what? It, I got lucky, and that's what happened. As they say, the rest is history. And I've been fortunate enough to to work in this industry for the last you know couple, twenty years or so. So very cool. You know, pretty amazing. Yeah, it's another really great story. Again, for those listeners out there, I was I was telling Scott in my pre-show chat. I got an email from a, a listener who'd been listening to Cars Yeah since day one. He He's very good at his job, but it has nothing to do with cars. And uh, after listening to stories like yours, Scott, and many others now, he's decided, you know what, I, I'm going to go work in my field of passion, cars, and you can do it. Scott's a great example. All the past 471 other guests are great examples as well. You just got to decide that's what you're going to do. Sounds like that ex- is exactly what you did. Yeah, I mean, it's. I, I have a saying I tell people, working in motorsports, I've never – Got out of bed in the morning, dreading my job. <laughs> Fortunate now, guy. M- now, now my day, now my day's falling apart five or ten minutes after I got out of bed. Oh, of course, but <laughs> that know, happens because of, because of reading an email or answering the phone or something. But you know, you wake up in the morning and it's like, man, I'm a pretty lucky guy that yeah. I get to that I get to do this. Very important way to go through life. Now, how about proudest career moments? I would assume you've had many, having worked for so long in motorsports. But is there one in particular you would share with us? Yeah, I think I think probably the proudest day was um it was uh 2000 2006 2007. I was working as the technical director for the Champ Car World Series, which was the you know the other open wheel series. Uh it used to be called Kart and mm-hmm. and um it was when we we decided to build a new car for the series for the for the teams to use and we it was the day that we delivered the cars to those teams. Uh, we delivered 12 cars at one time. It was uh, sometime, you know, December, 
December-ish, mm-hmm. call it mid-December, something like that. Yeah. And and to celebrate the event, I actually uh, <laughs> I actually dressed up as Santa Claus. <laughs> I thought you were going to say that. I'm going, I yeah. hope that's what you did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We had dressed up as Santa Claus and delivered all 12 of the cars, and the wow. teams came and picked them up. And that was that was a big one. I mean, that was, um, you know, to go through the process, it was, it was very unique because um, back then, uh, you know, new cars didn't come out very often. People raced cars, you know, for a really long time. And, right. and um, because of that, I, I, I got a very unique experience where I got to, to be a part of the, uh, the Formula One uh, technical working group because some of the folks at FIA allowed me to, to come in and sit on those meetings because it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a common practice for a new open wheel car to be built in the United States and hmm. got to get, got, got some great experiences and got to meet some cool people. But that was, um, that was one that was the biggest, I mean, that for me, that was, uh, I'm still, I'm still excited about it and I still love it. I mean, people still see that car today and are like, man, that was a great car. And I'm, it just make, it just, you know, makes you puff your chest up and be all happy about it. You know? Yeah. Well, congratulations, Santa. Nice job. <laughs> Very cool. Hey, let's have a little bit of fun here. What was your first really special car? Maybe you could share a memory you have with that vehicle. So I was, um, I don't know, a lot, like a lot of, and I'll call myself a farm kid. I grew up in Indiana, you know, literally, literally working on farms and, and, uh, you know, learned, learned how to drive, uh, you know, a tractor very, very early on. Um, well, well under the legal age, of course, like Mm -hmm. a lot of, like a lot of people. That's just how it works. Yeah. So I, I was able to earn a good bit of money. And so I actually bought my first car when I was about 14 and a half, 14 and a half, 15. And I was getting it ready, uh, you know, all excited about it because I wanted to, I wanted to be ready when I turned 16 because the day I turned 16, I was, I was mobile. I was ready to go, you know, that was, that was escape. And, um, so I was, I went out and got, and it's not a cool car by any means, but it was a, it was a Volkswagen Scirocco. Ah, nice. Yeah. Uh, and we're able to pick that up. I think it was, uh, must have been. Late seventies, early eighties. So first generation, Chiraco. first generation. Yep, absolutely. The kind of the wedge shaped, you know, uh, very sharp corners, very sharp corners, and everything. My first new car was a nineteen seventy nine Volkswagen Scirocco. Ah, there you go. Yep, yep. well done. <laughs> and uh, all excited, and so we put it in, put it in one of the uh, one of the shops we had there at our there at our farm. And uh, I was going through it, and you know, and I was going to do. I was going to do the, the real deal. I was going to, you know, I was going to put pull the seats out. I was going to put new carpet in it. You know, I was going to make it sweet. I was going to make it mine, right? I'm going to make it yeah. awesome. And uh, got the seats out and pulled the carpet up. And uh, the minute I did, uh, I dropped, I dropped a, a wrench, and the wrench went completely through the floorboard. Oh no! Oh, and uh, and and it ended up. Yeah, we ended up buying a car that someone had sprayed a um, undercoating on to hide all the rust. <laughs> To hide all the rust, and there was yeah. nothing there. So, we, uh, yeah. so I'd saved up all that money as a fourteen and a half year old kid. And, uh, oh you know, man, so. bummer. But you know what? That's that. That's part of it, right? That's just how it goes. So, yeah. But that was that was my that was my first. I mean, it was special to me because I never really got to drive it. To be honest, I, I got rid <laughs> yeah, of it. Yeah, I guess I so. Oh man, that's too bad. Well, they were fun cars. I like I said, it was the first new car I ever bought. I really enjoyed it. I had it during my college years and then got married and first kid i had that car for like 15 years it was a really great little car my neighbor ended up buying it they're fun cars yeah i really enjoyed mine very cool <laughs> sorry that yours was all rusted out though that's no fun uh, it's uh, a good life lesson, good life uh, lesson. yeah yeah I've, I've checked i've checked every car that had undercoat on it yeah, since then I you learn i'll bet you have yeah absolutely now how about a vehicle that you've let go that you really wish you had back in your garage is there one of those in your past uh absolutely <laughs> And it's a little a little more exciting than the Scirocco. Mm-hmm. Um, when I guess it was probably 
I'm trying to think of the time frame, but it probably isn't relevant. I at some point fuel became very expensive, and um, and that could be that could be last week or next week, I guess, with the way <laughs> things are going. And um, and I had I had a uh, an Audi S4 that had the V8 in it. Ooh, nice. It was, um, I was driving a fairly long distance. It was right when I'd first moved to Atlanta and, um, I was going back and forth to Indiana quite a bit, making some visits. And it was, you know, it was a, it was an amazing car, but it was like 12, get 12 miles to the gallon. Yeah. And, um, I just, I had to get rid of it because I just, I couldn't spend, you know, I couldn't spend as much on gas as what I was. And yeah. man, if I had a chance to have that thing back, I would, it was, it was such a great car. It was, yeah. you know, V8 and high horsepower and manual transmission and all-wheel drive and man it was just such a cool car yeah those are those are great cars awesome i understand well how about current projects you know we're in march here of 2016 and still kind of a new year i guess first quarter here what projects are you working on this year that really have you excited and fired up well there's two because i i do kind of two different jobs so one project is that I work with a nonprofit foundation the motorsport safety foundation and um, one of the projects that we have going with them is we actually have a program, we call it Race With Restraint, but effectively it's a low-cost Hans rental program. Oh. And and the reason is, is because, I mean, if anybody's involved in motorsports and, and they know that you know, Hans devices are quite expensive, they're 700 to $1,000, and, and the, the most crazy thing in the world is that not every racing series or even racetrack uh, mandates their usage. Mm, yeah. So a lot of a lot of people don't don't have them because they're expensive and they can either buy another set of tires or buy that next engine performance upgrade or something. So Yeah, cuz I'm never going to have an accident, overlooked. right? Yeah, exactly, right? You don't yeah. think about that. So so our foundation, um, we have inventory of them, we provide them to people to try them out. We can rent them for like 35 bucks a day. Mm-hmm. And so we we have uh we travel around to different different racing events with like a kiosk that we provide those to. And, nice. and so far, you know, so far all of the events we've done, we've almost sold out every time we carry about 10 or 12 with us. And, uh, oh, so great. that's something that, uh, that the foundation is doing that, you know, helps make people safer, yes. uh, for a low cost. And, and I know, you know, a lot of guys try them out and then they'll go and buy one, which is the whole idea. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. That's a cool project that we're doing. And then in my other life, um, with the road to Indy, which are the three three race series that are below IndyCar, kind of the feeder series. Uh, it's called Indy Lights, Pro, Mazda, and USF 2000. And in that one, we're actually working on a project for a new car for USF 2000 and 2017. So I get to work on another new car project. Um, it's not quite as extensive as the Champ car, but that's one that's it's really a lot of fun, a lot of fun to go through and, and define what um, – what the future of a, of a race series is going to be, especially with the car. So we're having a lot of fun with that one. Absolutely. Well, two great ways to launch the year off. It's great that you guys are providing those Hans devices to help people and convince people that's something they should invest in if they're going to be out on the track driving fast for sure. Great. Sounds like fun. Now, here's a very introspective question for you, Scott. If you were a car, and I'll include race car if you'd like, but if you were a vehicle, what kind would you be and why? Wow, that's a really interesting one. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, like I haven't been personal with you enough already. Um, <laughs> well, here's the, the key thing with this uh, question, though. It's not what you wish you were. It's how you perceive yourself manifested into a vehicle. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Wow, it, it, that's a weird one. Um, <laughs> I think it would be um, – and man, this is going to be weird that I that I bring this out um, this way. But I watched a um, 
I watched a show. Uh, it's called Comedians and Cars Getting Coffee. It's Jerry Seinfeld's. I don't know if you're familiar with Oh, him. yeah. Yeah. Online, he, sure. He, yeah, he did. Uh, he took David Letterman for a ride. And so they were together and they were going to get coffee. But in every, every episode, Seinfeld has a, a different car that he picks his guest up in. Mm-hmm. And in this particular episode, he picked up David Letterman in like a, a Volvo. And I'll get the model number wrong. But just, let's just say it's an 850 wagon. Yeah. But the Volvo 850 wagon had a small block Chevy V8 yep. under the hood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and this is weird because my wife actually has a, a degree in psychology, so I'll be interested to see how she feels about my answering this question and what it really means about me. <laughs> You'll have to call me back and let me know what she yeah. says. <laughs> yeah, but I think, I think it's kind of like that. I think yeah. it's um, you know, kind of, kind of normal kind of on sleeper. the outside. Kind of a sleeper. Yeah, kind of yeah. normal on the outside, but yeah. still having, um, you know, having some – some deep fire and passion on the inside. I is, think. is my Probably. memory right with that show? Was that Paul Newman's wagon originally? It was. Yeah, absolutely. That's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. Bingo. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I see. You answered that question perfectly. I loved your answer. Great. That's what I love to hear. Yeah. <laughs> so now we know a little bit more about the inside workings of Scott Elkins. Very cool. I like that. Well, Scott, up next is the last lap, but before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsor. Hey, Cars Yeah listeners, I have a question. What's the best way to protect your vehicle, both the exterior and the interior? It's with a car cover. I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. It's the fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft is the world's largest manufacturer of custom-patterned vehicle covers and they are crafted to fit like a custom suit, with over 80,000 patterns available. And they're made in the USA. But Covercraft is much more than car covers. Their vehicle protection system protects your cars, motorcycles, watercrafts, and RVs, exteriors from the elements, and the interiors from the wear and tear of daily life. Car covers, front end masks, dash covers, seat covers, floor mats, and much, much more. Covercraft offers you a full array of custom accessories made specifically for and styled to complement and protect your special vehicle. Covercraft is the right choice. I use them on all my vehicles, and your special vehicles will love them too. Learn more today at Covercraft.com. And you can get free shipping when you use the code at checkout, CARSYEAH. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people, but what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimball.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member, Finra Sipic. Okay, Scott, we are entering the last lap. You're a racer. You know what that means. The white flag is out. And I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So you ready? Ready. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Uh, the best automotive advice is probably always check the oil color. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I've heard that before. But the color, you added an interesting word, color. Yes, very important to see what's going on inside there. 
Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has helped contribute to your success over the years? Um, I think it's, you know, I don't mean to go down this road, but it's something that I feel like I have to do. But it's always been, uh, it's always been starting the day with prayer. Nice. Uh, start start the day off that way to um, just have a good conversation. Yeah. And um, get it get it started in that manner. So for me, that's that's something that I feel like has always been a a big part. Yeah. Give a little thanks. You know, I've people too I've had on the show that maybe aren't very religious, but they start by writing down some affirmations or positive things about what's good in their life. It really sets a nice tone for the day. So I think that was a great answer. Now, how about a resource? I know there's a lot of resources out there, but is there one in particular that you really enjoy that you think the Cars Yow listeners would enjoy as well? I don't really have anything that I think is any kind of a secret. I'm I'm pretty uh I'm a Volvo in that way. I kinda <laughs> I, I read you know, a lot of Facebook, a lot of Twitter. Um I social don't really media? have Yeah, social media in general. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's really easy to get uh to get a lot of information from a lot of different sources in one place. Yeah. And that's and I try to take advantage of that. Um you know, in terms of, of time and everything. So I, I, I'm sorry, I don't have anything that's really, really top secret or anything. That, <laughs> that's uh, okay. Anything, anything that I use that no one else uses. I think it's just a, you know, no worries. Be, be efficient about it. Yeah. Sorry. There you, yeah. Be efficient. Yeah. You can get sucked into social media and it can eat up. I always say, if, if you want your dinner to cook faster, put it in the oven and jump onto Facebook. Your dinner will be cooked really quick. <laughs> Now, how about a book? There's a lot of great books out there, but is there one in particular that you've really enjoyed perhaps recently? Car book, business book? It's actually the autobiography of Lee Iacocca. Um, he wrote it himself with a guy by the name of William Novak, and it's just an interesting interesting perspective about how he managed his business, whether we, we, he was a Chrysler, the fact that he you know puts an ad for Chrysler on the back of the book. Yeah, something that drove me crazy about it. But it's really interesting just to see how he was such a unique executive. Yeah. Um, not not typical of what seems to be the automotive executives today, you know, clearly. Um, no. Because of the things that he was able to do. So oh, it, yeah. that's something that, uh, you know, it's it's an older book, a much older book, but it's something that I'm really enjoying. I'm reading it right now. Well, good. Great. Well, listeners, you can find links to all these great resources at carsyeah.com. Scott Elkins. And Scott spells his name with one T, S-C-O-T, and his last name is E-L-K-I-N-S. There's also a great place on the Cars Yow website called Guest Recommended Books, where this book and all the other past books recommended by guests here have quick, easy links to purchase so you can get your hands on them. All right, we are up to the checkered flag. And this last question, Scott, can be a real doozy. If you could have only one collector car in your garage, but don't worry about the cost because I'm buying you whatever you'd like today, what would that one vehicle be? And more importantly, why? Um, It's going to be like a... It's going to be like a Ferrari 364, something Ooh. like that. It's the um, it's the easiest way to describe it is it's a uh, and this is going to age me so badly I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> it's a uh, it's it's the first car that the guys had on Miami Vice the the black Ferrari convertible. Uh, so, oh, the Daytona. Yeah, the You're, Daytona. The Daytona. Oh yes, the Daytona, the black Daytona, which actually I think in that series was a fake a Daytona on a Corvette body, but that doesn't matter. We all thought back then it was the real deal until they blew it up right. with that missile launcher, if I remember my TV shows right. But uh, exactly. So what is it about the Daytona, which is a silly question in and of itself because it's just such an iconic, cool car. But what is it about the Daytona that just really pulls on your heartstrings? When I first was uh, getting involved in motor racing, you know, I was getting involved and in, like everybody else, you, you probably immerse yourself and you read magazines and you look at this and you look at that and you start reading about things and I just remember a quote, and I'll be honest, I've never actually seen one in person. 
Um, I've only seen photos and I've you know only, only seen other things. I've never actually seen one, which means clearly I've never driven one. <laughs> but I remember reading the article, mm-hmm. which was there was a, and I'm going to I'll butcher the quote terribly, but somebody asked them about the Ferrari Daytona Spider and. And the answer was because it's zero to sixty-eight in first gear, sixty-eight to to a hundred in second gear, and then you've still got two gears left. And <laughs> yeah, I just thought that was a great quote. Um, but man, it's a, you know it's a front-engine V twelve monster. Yeah, and it looks amazing, and it's from you know it's from the right time, you know. And and I like I tend to like things that were made around the 70s because that's kind of when i was made so um you know it's just interesting car to me yeah beautiful cars beautiful cars my son who's about to graduate from college here one of his summers when he was in high school he spent uh, in a restoration shop uh, and he worked on a daytona all summer long so he got to get very intimate with that car and uh the interesting thing was at first he went into it really excited and at the end of the summer he said this thing wasn't built very well dad i said well they were handmade italian cars you know uh, a little crude underneath, but man, they're sure beautiful. And uh, getting to jump in that thing and take it for a drive was pretty spectacular. So great choice, great choice. Uh, do you have a color choice you'd like me to find one of those for you in? Well, I think all proper cars have to be uh, red or black, right? So I'll, I'd take either. either. Either one. Okay, you make things a little easy on me. All right. Well, we just missed a couple. I think there was one sold back during the uh, Arizona auctions back in January, but uh, I'm sure there's one out there I can find for you somewhere. So it's an awesome car, and I think you're going to have fun in that Daytona. Scott, you have taken me on a great ride. I knew you would today, and I really enjoyed learning more about you and what you're doing and all your stories. I want to thank you for sharing your journey with the Cars Yeah listeners. Scott, what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and what you're doing? Uh, the easiest way is, you know, typically as everybody else through social media, uh, I'm on Twitter at Scott Elkins, uh, Scott with one T S C O T E L K I N S. And then the same thing, facebook.com slash Scott Elkins. And is there a good website to go for, uh, the business side? Actually, uh, yeah, you can, you can go to motorsport dash org. Well, listeners, again, you can find links to everything we've talked about here today at carsyad.com on Scott's very own show notes page. Just type Scott, S-C-O-T, just one T into the search bar, and his show notes page will pop up with links to everything. Scott, thanks for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing your experiences with the listeners and with me. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thanks a lot, Mark. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.